Hello and welcome to Cascades, a podcast for whiskey, about whiskey. Uh, I'm Jordan and with me as always is my brother Luke. Or the ghost of me. Ooh, it's Halloween season. <laughs> and that's the only Halloween reference we'll be getting. Literally, no. I'm going to pepper them in this entire one. You won't pick up on them. They'll be subtle. But, like, if you listen to every third sentence of every half second, half minute, there will be a Halloween reference. And you put it all together, and it leads to a secret map. And that map leads to a haunted place. And in that haunted place, ghouls. Because it's Halloween. Ah, uh, Okay. So carve yourself a pumpkin and make... Are you going to carve a whiskey pumpkin this year? Not like a... I'm going to carve a whiskey pumpkin. The yeah. new season of whiskey pumpkins. That's a special breed. But I mean like a... Because you did last year, didn't you? Yes, I carved the Ardbeg. Yes, you did. Oh, is that what we're talking about today? No, Ardbeg oh, was with Dad. You missed out on Ardbeg. Well, it would have been really in tune. So you'll have to carve a tomatin one this time because we're talking about tomatin see how i loop that in quite nice and smooth well i was thinking of doing the dalmore with the with the cool stag logo oh oh that would be good um what was that really cool one i commented on when so tomatin yes so tomatin it rhymes with satin. That's how you remember tomatin. Or statin, if you're of a certain age. Tomatin, satin. Technically, that's not a rhyme. That was how I was taught to remember it, and that's how I remember it. Big yikes. You know what? That's the most horrifying thing of this season. <laughs> so. 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 You know, you can start a sentence without saying so. It's quite weird. I've managed to do it my entire life. Have you really? Tomatin, uh, the distillery was founded back in 1897. So a few uh. years ago. The good old days, 1897, where where horses could pull carts and carts could pull hay. I don't, I can think of an old time thing. When the ripe old age of 20 was the town elder. Founded in 1897, the Tomatin Distillery uh, is actually the second highest distillery in Scotland altitude wise. Darwinny Distillery beats them. Um, and these are the weird kind of facts that you learn. It's about 18 to 20 miles just south of Inverness. It's not too far out. It really is a, a lovely distillery. Oh, hey, um, we had a little quiz at work today. Do you know what country has the highest gin, gin import? Gin import? Yeah. Because I said whiskey would probably be India, right? But gin. No? No. Uh, it depends. Are we on about volume or value for a start? Volume, I believe. For whiskey, it would be France. Oh. France imports the most volume of whiskey in the world. I apologise. I thought it was India. No, India is a growing market and they consume the most whiskey in the world. Ah, but that's what I was That falls of. under the category. If you remember, we were saying that there was, it also includes yeah. Indian whiskies that aren't what we recognise as whiskies, so yeah. it doesn't technically get the technically. The, the, the same uh, category. But yes, you, you, you were right in some ways that they do consume the most whiskey in the world. But like I say, most of it isn't what's agreed as being classified as whiskey, so they don't really get the title. France imports the most whiskey in the world, or Scotch whiskey, certainly. Yeah, I mean, Tomatin, it was actually a very big kind of workhorse distillery as well. Uh, really did. They were big kind of... Like Shire Horses? Well, no, like it, the production levels at Tomatin were so great, it was the largest distillery in Scotland at one stage. Oh, nothing to do with actual horses? No. Well, maybe they had horses carrying, like, pulling well, the back carts. Back in the day, they definitely would have, right? Scientists and mathematicians have to, yet to agree on to that one. plough the whiskey fields. Maybe maybe they, like, used dragons to airlift the casks in. And they're there, and it's like one pickaxe goes down to whiskey field, then another one, and they all start singing. 
Unfortunately, oh, in the 80s, there was a big crash in the whiskey demand and years of overproduction. Well, you've skipped a little bit there. Ah, well, you know me, crisscross <laughs> applesauce. Yeah, so really, really big distillery. At one point, they reckoned that the spirit, because it's really high quality whiskey that they create there, and it's it's very um, gentle, easy drinking as well, the, the spirit went into just about every single blend at one stage as well. Are you telling me that the whiskey is infused with spirits? Ooh. I think this episode's title is going to be High Spirits at this point. High Spirits, I like it. High Spirits and High Halloweens. Uh, yeah, so uh, as you rightly read ahead, unfortunately in the 80s there was a big crash in the whiskey industry. Happened and it affected a lot of distilleries. A lot of distilleries closed in the 80s. It's, it's, uh, when a lot of them started kind of combining together and we kind of got into the situation that we're in today. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, this also affected Tamatian because there was a lot of production going on there. And when, when the demand crashed, all their, all their existing stocks was no longer really wanted. And the distillery went spectacularly bust. Through no real fault of their own, just it was an unfortunate time period and they got hit very hard. We've all played that game of Monopoly folks, am I right? Distillery Edition? I'd love to play Monopoly Distillery Edition. Well, you know, when you go bust... Oh, you landed on the spirit safe! <laughs> the spirit safe. No, the spirit safe is a thing. Oh. Sorry. Don't <laughs> I just look like a fool? I like the thought of, like, a safe where you lock away bad spirits. <laughs> Wasn't that just the premise of Ghostbusters? Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, Ghostbusters is really about the whiskey industry. It's very nuanced. Especially that new new remake version. Yeah. I like the new remake. <laughs> I did. It wasn't bad, actually. I didn't mind it. Chris Hemsworth really playing to his strengths. Now, fortunately, uh, Tamatin was actually bought by a consortium of Japanese businessmen who, they actually liked Tamatin's whiskey. It was very, very popular over there. And they they were determined to keep the, the uh, distillery going. And so they, they raised the funds up and they bought the distillery and the existing stock and they, they kept it from going into disrepair. Actually made Tamatin the first Scottish distillery to be owned by the Japanese. Wow. Uh, these days, there's actually a few more because obviously you got uh, Beam Centauri as we were talking yes. about just the other day uh, which is uh, a conglomerate of, of a lot of uh, distilleries and they own a fair few in Scotland back then Tomatin being owned by uh, the Japanese it was a big deal and it still is today because they're really great they they like to fund the distillery but they they still keep kind of the management doing what they do the management know how to do the whiskey so oh wow so they, they like just say look we'll keep the distillery going and, and they give them a lot of free reign in Scotland that it's, is literally no management ever uh, yeah but when they took over I mean, one of the big changes that needed to be addressed uh, and it wasn't just at Tomatin this was like I say something that the industry realised it needed to start making safety precautions to stop such things happening again they downscaled the distillery capacity uh, and so the a lot of the stills were, were sold off and things like that and uh, the decision has also been made to become less dependent on other companies buying their products so obviously if you're selling your spirit to blends it all depends on demand buying that spirit off you after you've matured it kind of thing mm -hmm. so what they started to do was they started to focus on single malts as well mm -hmm. and this has been going on for a few years now and Tomatin's range is very, very nice. It's uh, won no end of awards across the range. They do really nice whiskey. <clears throat> One could argue, just to bring it back to the spoop season, that werewolves have a single malt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! How long have you been sitting on that one? Literally since you said single malt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as I was saying, because they were they were buying the uh, the products off them, they really needed to start building up their own kind of safety net as well. And I mean, just, there were other ways around that they started creating money as well. I mean, when you've got such large capacity, one of the big things a lot of distilleries do, although they tend not to do it so much now because they need to hold their own stock, is they used to basically rent out the warehouses as, uh, so other distilleries could store their casks in there. Um, and that was a, a really big practice and still is today. 
way. It's it's just that they're trying to limit that amount now because the demand for whiskey is growing so much. Um, most distilleries need their own warehousing space for themselves. Do they ever rent them out for like weddings or functions? Probably not. I feel like some really big whiskey heads, you know? <laughs> the warehouse is usually full of casks of whiskey for that. Some really big cask heads. <laughs> and the distillery really is coming on leaps and bounds. In fact, in terms of um, in terms of actual growth worldwide, the company is, is doing seriously well. They're holding out against some of the really big players in the industry. Are they not a big player? In the grand scheme of things, no. It's Martin's actually a pretty small, oh. small player. Um, do, do I just know their name from you, then? Probably, yes. Uh, is Ardbeg a big player? Mm, it's very popular, but again, it's owned by Moe Hennessy, and it's a very small company. It's a big really. player. Uh, things like Diageo. Diageo, they own 28. Oh, Diageo own 28 distilleries, um, and some of the volumes of liquid that they're producing is in like the millions of litres yearly. I mean, big players. You have Diageo, you have Pernod Ricard. They own a lot of distilleries and blends. Um, Hi, Pernod Ricard. Wait, what was it? Pernod Ricard? Pernod Ricard, yeah. Pernod Ricard, attorney at law. I solve crimes. The attorney at law solves crimes. Law school's a lot. There's a lot of debt with law school. As far as the distillery goes, actually, you brought up a very good point that is it a very well-known distillery. Tomatin is growing in recognition a lot. Um, uh, so, yeah, the distillery is actually doing very well. The distillery is doing very well. The single malts are actually getting more and more recognition. However, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people still haven't heard of or even tried Tomatin, which is, in my opinion, a real shame. Um, if I could say one thing to people, it's go out and try Tomatin. Go out <laughs> and try to madden. I'm begging you. <laughs> uh, one of the other important or interesting things about the distillery is they actually house a lot of the workers on site. Yes, I read that ahead and I'm unsure how I feel about it. I think someone was t- telling me it's something like you pay... Uh, it's like, like a pound a month or a pound a year for your rent, basically. Like, yeah, okay. Good if it's done right, but it does have big dystopian vibes. Like, you live where you work. Well, kind of like, imagine it... 1984 vibes. Bad. Not saying Tomatin's doing it bad. (laughs) Like, it is literally like either, hey, you work here, you get housing for working here at a cheap rate and it's good housing, great, or B. Your life is your work, you live here, you live in a cube. We are always watching you. I've I've seen the the houses, it's it's not the 1984. No, what I'm saying is that it can go. Well, only in your mind, apparently. Yeah, they actually, they they house most of the workers on site in cottages. And um, this practice was actually very common a long time ago at most distilleries. However, again, through big corporations taking over and and cost saving and things, it's actually really unusual to find a distillery that still does it today. And it really does kind of help instill this kind of sense of community amongst the the staff and the workers at the distillery. But I have to say, having seen the proximity of the houses to the distillery, there really isn't any excuse for being late to work. Um, yeah, another one of the really interesting aspects about Tomatin is they actually have their own cooper. Now, coopers are the people who make the, the barrels and the casks. So if they have any damaged casks or anything, the, the cooper on site, he can kind of take them to one side and do the repairs really quickly. Whereas a lot of other distilleries, they have to kind of get someone to come in. Um, it's really be hard to find someone called Cooper with the right experience. I think once you get the title, your name becomes Cooper. Oh, oh. I, th- I think it's one of those things. Oh, and then you got to change your bank and your passport. Like, uh. Well, maybe you just get like a special Cooper bank account, so oh, like a maybe. Cooper passport. Or maybe you become a mini Cooper. That's only if you're working on really small casks. <laughs> oh, I don't really need much scrolling, but... Oh, my God, we're already at the end. Well, no, we're not, because it's, I... It's over. Um, so yeah, one of the other things I wanted to say about the spirit at Tomatin is what they tend to, well, what they do do is when they're um, 
when they're making their spirits, it's unpeated. So it's really nice, gentle, soft Highland style. It's actually, if you get to try the new mix spirits, it's very kind of rhubarby on the nose. Yeah, and so for the final two weeks of the year, they actually run a lightly petered spirit through the stills. Huh. Why? Ah, now why? Now that's a good question. Why? Why? Now what they do is, because there's a really big interest in PT whiskies, I've told you before. You say you've told me before, like <laughs> I retain information. So what they started to do was to meet this interest in demand. They started for the final two weeks of the year to create lightly petered Highland whiskey using Highland peat. They'd run it through the stills at um, 12 parts per million. So to put that in context, that's kind of like a, a Talisker or um, the bottom end of Springbank kind of section. Um, then they'd They'd clean all the stills out just before Christmas, shut down for Christmas, and then when they came back, the stills would be brand new and clean, and they'd be ready to start off for the uh, the normal distilling for the year to come. Um, and that range is kept completely separate from Tomatin. They call it uh, Kubokan. Sounds like you just said a word from a Star Trek language. It's called Gallic. Isn't that the Doctor Who language? What, Gallic? And if you just look there, I have a Tomatin box and a Kubokan box. Same distillery. Is it? Yeah. And um, Kubokan roughly translates as... Uh, let's get this right. Like... Um, smoky spirit kind of thing oh. which is coming into this is coming into the Halloween tie-in that's right the Halloween tie-in is going full circle because if you look playing the at, long con look at that Kind of like a, 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 a yeah, it spirit. looks like smoke on the water. Well, it actually was designed. They've changed the labels now, but this is the old style. It's designed to represent kind of like a, a smoky wisp of a, a dog or a wolf kind of shape. See the ears kind of going down to the face. The reason behind this is apparently the last wolf of Scotland was killed not far from the distillery, and distillery workers claim that on a still winter's night, when they're patrolling the the, the warehouse on their own, they swear you can see the ghost of the wolf patrolling around. Oh my god, I it you is not. It's Halloween. A thing. It's a thing. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, it's on the... Yeah, on I the know what the bottle looks like because I think I... Uh, you have a different version of it, yeah. Had a blue one? Yes, you have a very expensive bottle. Although there's no whiskey in it to make it expensive anymore. Um, But yes. I don't. I do not see that dog at all. It's kind of like those. That's the ear, and that's the ear, and then that's supposed to be like the skull shape coming down a little bit. I don't think it's people have ever seen. Ah, uh, well, you see marketing people. Um, now I maintain this could well be just a little bit of marketing, or maybe the distillery workers have had a little bit too much to drink when they see these ghosts. Or, but let's just, for the sake of a Halloween, say maybe there are ghouls. The ghost of the wolf haunts the moors outside Tamatin. Hey, is that what? The but we're getting sidetracked. So back to. That the ghosts. <laughs> that is the Kabokan spirit. Um, now, Kabokan and Tomatin are kept very separate now, to be fair. They, they try to separate the brand as much as possible. It was a messy divorce. Well, no. Um, but still made at the distillery. <laughs> Tomatin gets the uh, go ghost dog every other weekend of the month. Now, as for the... the <laughs> I'm just trying to... Now, as for the range... Um, Tomatin, they actually have a really big kind of range of flavours available because they have a lot of casks they tend to use. If you go to the warehouses at Tomatin, you will almost certainly see uh, ex-American bourbon casks, you will see sherry casks, uh, you'll probably see tawny port pipes as well, which are very, very tall. In fact, they're the largest uh, cask type you can actually use in the whiskey industry at the moment, or certainly in the Scotch whiskey industry anyway. Um, now, tawny port pipes previously held tawny port, funnily enough. Say that five times real fast. Tony Port Pipes, 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 Tony Port Pipes. I think that was you five. You did six. Can you not count? Uh, no, I'm concentrating on saying Tony Port Pipes. Like, um, at, at any one point in your life, that's all you're saying. You, no one ever say number to you. You've been to Smatten, haven't you? Smatten. To Man. 
I've been to Tamatin, yeah, 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 but that's yeah. not what you said. I did. I say you've been to Tamatin. Yes, I have been to Tamatin. And yeah, so you will see these wonderful kind of uh, variety of casks that they tend to use in their standard range, but they also love to use experimental kind of casks as well. Tamatin, they've used some really nice wine casks in the past. They've used rum casks. Uh, one of my favourite Tamatins ever was a really nice rum cask whiskey. Uh, they've recently done one, which is a Fino sherry cask, which is quite a dry sherry. Fino Noir. <laughs> Just now. Uh, so yeah, they have this wide range and they can create lots of different flavours and they tend to do some really nice kind of special seasonal releases as well. Uh, the standard Tomatin range. So you have Tomatin Legacy, which is the introduction to the range. Now, Legacy uses uh, ex-American bourbon casks, which are kind of like your standard ones in the industry, but they also use virgin oak casks. Now, what is a virgin oak cask, Freckles? It's a cask that's never held any whiskey before. I wanted to say that. Um, now, virgin oak casks never held any whiskey before. A lot more wood contact goes in. And you really do taste it in Legacy. It, it, it matures the whiskey a, a lot quicker. And, and you get a lot of flavour coming through for a, a really nice kind of price as well. Because it's it's usually under £30, the, the whiskey. Or it certainly is in most shops. They got a good one. Victor Frankenstein, when he was grave robbing, was like, A leg, I see! <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Get it? Like yes, I get it. <laughs> you can continue. Oh, on. thank you. But I don't know what this episode is about beyond me making really good buns. Um, yeah, so Legacy, they use American oak casks, which gives you a nice vanilla flavour. The, um, the the virgin oak cask gives you a lot more wood contact, a bit of a peppery spice. And overall, it takes on a nice kind of... I, I always think of a bit bit of a tropical kind of flavour. You get a little bit kind of pineapple side to it and things like that. And and uh, a little bit of citrusy fruits as well. well it looks like we're back to Buffett Zone. Legacy is a really nice whiskey at a really affordable price. The 12-year-old, which is... There's kind of standard one in the range. Do you know anything about the 12-year-old Tomatin? Why do you think I do? No, oh, okay. Now that's matured in ex-American oak casks, ex-sherry oak casks, and oak refills, which is just the batch before. Wow, going all around town. Nice equal rule of thirds, and then they, they marry it together after 12 years. You get this great kind of balance of flavour. So a third of the spirit's been in uh, American oak casks, a third in the sherry, and a third in the oak refills. And it gives you this great combination. And, and uh, the 12-year-old, you tend to get a nice richness, a little bit of a, almost um, almost like a, a, a slightly toffee sweetnessy side. Not like a liqueur, but there's something to it. Uh, you also get vanilla, green apples, and uh, the richest side from the sherry casks. Green apples are the worst apples. And a little, a little bit of spice as well. There's just a little bit of oaky spice as well. Yeah. Then we're on to the cask strength, which is kind of a... Uh, that makes more sense than me thinking you had a note about C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Why does that make more sense than me having a note of C.S. Lewis? <laughs> uh, yeah, the cask strength. Now, this is entirely matured in bourbon and sherry casks, ex-American oak bourbon and uh, ex-European sherry casks. And their first fill cask as well, so you get the most intense flavours. Now, it is bottled higher, obviously with the cask strength, they've not added any water to it, but you get really rich, intense flavours, and it's really nice in kind of like the, the winter months when you want something lovely and rich and warming. And also it has this lovely kind of vanilla side from the American goat casks as well. It's similar to things like Glen Farkless 105, if you've ever tried that one. I haven't. Thanks for asking that. I appreciate it. The uh, 18-year-old is... Uh, well, it's not the next one in the range, but this is the one we're getting to, because the next one in the range is actually the one that we'll be reviewing, so I've left that to Ooh, last. The 18-year-old is matured in American oak casks first, and then finished in Oloroso sherry casks. Really nice, rich, fruitcakey Christmas cake flavours. Can we have another one that was matured in Oloroso sherry? Quite possibly. Um, Glendronic uses Oloroso sherry Because it, it rings a bell. Oogadel uses Oloroso sherry casks. Maybe it's this one that I'm thinking of. Well, I don't think we've talked about the 18-year-old tomatin before. Yeah, and the 18-year-old really nice, rich, fruitcakey Christmas cake flavours. It's similar to things like Glendronic's Allardyce, but not quite as rich. Um, also, Balvenie's 17-year-old Doublewood that they do. similar, Very, very similar principle. Y- yes, it's an 18-year-old. It costs more money, but if you really want to treat yourself, I thoroughly recommend the 
the uh, 18-year-old. And it's still at a very reasonable price compared to a lot of the other 18-year-olds because Tomatin has a lot of stuff. Finally, the, the one that we're going to be reviewing today is Tomatin's 14-year-old Portwood whiskey. Now, the 14-year-old is, funny enough, at least 14 years old. At least. Well, as I've told you before, the age on the bottle is the youngest whiskey in there. You stepped into that one. Uh, it's matured in American oak casks for the first 12 years. So uh, ex-American bourbon casks. And then for the final two years, it's, um, it's matured in um, tawny port casks. Now, Tawny Port is a very nice old port. And as I was saying, they're the very tall casks in, in the range. And the casks held port for about 30 years before the whiskey touches it. So it really imparts a lovely flavour on, on, on the whiskey. It's great. Port is nice, yeah. And I won't lie, Tomatin 14 is not only my favourite whiskey in the range, it's possibly one of my favourite whiskeys. Wow. Ever. Wow. Um, High comment from Jordan. This is a lovely whiskey. This is a great whiskey. This is a nice whiskey. This whiskey, I'm... I'm ad-libbing your lines because I, I, honest to God, would not know how you phrase all that stuff. This is nothing. This is dead air. Like So this is Tomatin 14-year-old. Unless you wanted a section of me just insulting your habits. This is Tomatin 14-year-old. It's bottled of 46% ABV. They bottle higher so you get that lovely cask flavour coming through. Um, I mean, I love the colour of... Oh! You've made it cloudy. Yes! Do you remember how I was telling you about chill-filtered whiskey? It's finally cold enough you can see the chill-filtered, like, not the, the sediment that's floating around, but you see how it is a little cloudy behind the sediment. And I told you that chill-filtered whiskey tends to go a little hazy. That's what it does. God, it's like my mind on a Monday morning. So, give that a nose. That one doesn't smell disgusting. Oh, wow. There we have it, folks. A high, high uh, recommendation from Luke. That one doesn't smell disgusting. It's not bad. Like, honestly... If I was to suggest... No, that one does actually... It doesn't smell nice, because it smells <laughs> like alcohol. Not like not like the brandishing war wounds alcohol I reviewed last time. But it, it does smell like a, a drunken night, you know? No. I don't think I've ever had a drunken night that just smells of single malt whiskey. I definitely have. I go out with a few whiskey drinkers, so... Jerry? In the tomato port wood. Now, I really want you to think about this. What? <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely drank something that smells like this before. Oh, it could be port. I was going to say, maybe you've drunk port. I have drunk port. A fair bit of port. I know you have. Too much port. Now, I think tomatin 14-year-old port wood's great because it's... I mean, first of all, the quality of the cast that you get for the price of the whiskey is amazing. I mean, I, I really like portwood whiskey, but not many of them have this kind of like in-depth flavour for this price range. I think one of the only whiskies I've ever had that really beats it on the port flavour is Balvenie's 21. Ooh. Now, it's 21 years old. It's going to win. But the thing is, it's three times the price, and I don't think it's three times as nice. I love the Tomatin 14-year-old. Not that I would, but I'd rather buy three bottles of 14-year-old than one of the 21. Now, the flavour of, of Tomatin is it's, it's lovely and sweet. I mean, you get this with all their whiskies. as a great kind of sweet spirit style. Very, very fruity. Now, you get a little bit of a honeyed side. You get a little bit of vanilla, but... With this, with the fourteen-year-old, it's the fruits that you get. These really nice, dark, rich fruits and and kind of like um, berries and things. And it's, it's quite a thick, viscous kind what of kind whisk. of berries. Um, the rich kind. <laughs> it's exclusive club. Only the rich berries get in. <laughs> God, that strawberry wearing the Prada boots. <laughs> <laughs> the strawberry wears Prada. So yeah, it is. It's really nice and rich. Lots of flavour comes through. Now, again, bottled at 46%, so it is quite strong. And I have to admit, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in as to if I had a drop of water to this one or not. Quite often, water doesn't make it to the uh, to the Tomatin 14. But it does open it up as well. I mean, colour-wise as well, I love the colour. It's a very, Wait, very kind of pinkish rose kind of... Would you say it opens it up like a C.S. Lewis book? No. I'd say it opens it up like a mummy sarcophagus getting opened up by the gnarled, 
mummificated hand, Ooh. raising the lid, Raise, about straight down up. on the unsuspecting adventurer. I think that about concludes the tomatin tasting. Any questions you have about tomatin, first of all? No, I feel like tomatin, I probably know the best. Not like for the things that go on, but because I've definitely heard their name a few times. Oh, so if I was to just say, like, Glenmorangie once or twice a week for a few weeks, you'd then know Glenmorangie the best. Not by anything about the distillery, but because you just know the name. Is that what you're saying? Oh, we haven't had the, the questions stage. Oh, okay, question stage. Go. Three questions. We'll just do three. How do you pronounce the name? Taman. It's taken over by Japanese businessmen. Why? You can't age. just... You just made a statement, by the way. You didn't answer a question at that right. stage. Firstly, I made a statement that was correct, so I'm already two for <laughs> two. In fact, I'm going to give myself five extra bonus points. <laughs> oh, we haven't even got to the bonus round yet. I'll make myself a monkey cake as a reward. <laughs> Why was it taken over by a Japanese businessman? Uh, because it was the 80s and times were tough. It's taken over by a Japanese businessman because the 80s were hard. Everything was glam rock. No one drank whiskey. Okay. I'll kind of let that one slide, I think. That is right. So that's two for two. Go on. Another question. Hmm. What? Don't make it hard. Oh, no, I don't know. You're doing so well. I think we need to need to see how much you've been like, paying attention. This you the, can pay attention to two things, apparently. You this is the best I've ever done. Yes, however, I already forgot what we started this off with. When was the distillery founded? The War of 1812. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read that. 1897. Well done. 1897. If you don't know the answer, just cheat. You could have scrolled up. <laughs> I know, I refuse to cheat, so I got two for two. Bonus round. Bon no, I did so well, Jordan. Come on, let's quit whilst we're ahead. This is worth 10,000 stars. Is it who wrote Lewis? <laughs> who, what books Lewis Carroll wrote and what books C.S. Lewis wrote? I think one of them has to do with Narnia. C.S. Lewis is Narnia. I guess smarter with whiskey is great. Well, this has been Cast Cats, the spooky edition. I don't know what everyone's Halloween costumes are going to be this year, but uh, I hope at least one person dresses to Matt in 14. I'm going as a podcast. Okay, no, the best Halloween costumes. One, either a cast goblin. Two, the cast whisperer. You can also visit our website or send us an email if you have any questions. And by us, I mean you, if you have any rich law questions. I, I'm available on Twitter. I'm not. I deleted my Twitter. Uh, the links are within the description below. And as always, we'll leave you with one editing goof. And it better not be my werewolf one because that is staying in the main part. Goodbye. Bye. This whiskey's fantastic. <laughs> Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review on whatever podcasting platform you may listen to. Stay spooky. I'm doing a spooky ghost no. vampire zombie. Yeah, just for the a spooky life. ghost vampire zombie. Let's hear this. Whoa, <laughs> I'm not hearing the zombie in this. You've got the ghost of a vampire right now. Thank you for listening. Oh no, my ear fell off. <laughs> <laughs>